0: You're listening to the life of try. It's triathlon for your ears. We're back with the travelling Wilbury,
1: although he's not sitting on a train <laughs> doing cool music. Oh man, the travelling Wilburys! What a great uh, there's a great <laughs> recap for you. Or- I oh, no, the big Blast from the past. The, the, Boy, are we ever old, man. I know.
0: Uh, like the young the young folk listening to this would be like, I don't even know what they're – they're mostly dead now, aren't they? I think they're all
1: pretty dead. That one – you got me on that one. Yeah. I, I just – yeah, not even going to go near there. But let's no. talk try.
0: Let's talk triathlon. Hey, <laughs> it,
1: it couldn't, you
0: couldn't – you kind of go from this uh, – we've kind of gone from this, you know – nothing right we went through this black hole of nothing and all of a sudden now we've got this just every week you're looking around going what's next what's next you know we're going to just pick through a few of the bigger ones and just have a conversation around them i think that's really what we're seeing is this quantum shift in triathlon i think triathlon is changing um you know it's dramatically and i guess the biggest the biggest show was where you've just come from the the Collins cup um, I wanna there's a couple of things that really stuck out, and I want to get you're on the ground, so you're the perfect dude to talk this through with. Um the press conferences pride. Now you hosted those things, they got a little spicy. <laughs> they got real spicy, didn't they?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, you know, the um I think the highest uh praise I have ever received for my work ever. Um, came came after the one of the press conferences where um, uh, somebody or Ly- or uh, Sebi Seb- Sebastian Keenle, went up to one of the organizers of the Collins Cup and said, "Best conf- press conference I've ever been to." <laughs> <laughs> they were the guys were just thrilled. Um, yeah, and and yeah, I, I I didn't really have to do a whole lot of work. I asked a few questions and um, sort of let the let the fireworks pop. It was. Unbelievable. And um, yes, definitely got spicy, which is exactly what Collins Cup wanted. So, Charles Adamo is the guy behind uh, the Collins Cup in many ways. He's sort of the chairman of the board. Um, and he hates any reference to uh, being behind the scenes and being the person behind the Collins Cup. So, I apologize, uh, Charles. But, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, you're the man. Um, but he, you know, has this real vision of how he wants things to go, and that is part of it. This, you know, um, mano a mano, uh, woman against woman type. You know, like, hey, this this is racing. Like we race, uh, we're we're athletes, and um, we can put on a great show. Um, and so, so it was pretty classic.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and you're like the guy who just lit the fuse and then ran off. I think that's, that's when I watched it and I was thinking, damn, like these guys and manufactured rivalry doesn't work. We've seen it tried before in super league really tried it at the very start. They wanted all the sort of, you know, aggro and angst. And I'm not sure they got it, but I reckon when you've got athletes just start hanging shit on each other, I reckon you get it right. Like you get that sort of um, authentic, not rivalry. Cause I mean, rivalries, are, you got to kind of build, but for that, particular event it seemed to work really well it seemed like he got some really good um spicy stuff and everyone got a little bit salty with uh some of their
1: commentary um yeah but it was it the the thing that was so awesome for me was it was done in good fun right yeah. like so um so like the the biggest laughs for <laughs> braden curry's joke or braden i don't know if a joke or whatever but you know braden curry uh, so he's up with Patrick Lange and um, Matt Hansen, and you know we're talking about this huge running <laughs> battle and everything. And and, uh, and Braden said, "Well, you know, um, Patrick, you're you know it's going to be fun to see how you do when you when you're not riding behind the big blue <laughs> Smurf," <laughs> 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 you know, referring back to Kona a few years ago when um, you know there was this back and forth about whether, you know, whether, what Andreas Dreitz was doing. Um, Yeah. You know, Andreas was really just at the front riding as hard as he can, riding his best, best possible race scenario. So, uh, but anyway, you know, it's always been fun talking about that. And, and the year I looked over and the European team and Patrick were laughing the most. Yeah. Um, So it was like, Hey, we're, we're having, we're really having fun here. And then the, the other, just, you know joe skipper uh seemed yes. you know, he's often kind of quiet and and seemed a little nervous at the start but you know the, the lot, if you guys can't beat me i'm the weakest on the team like if you guys can't beat beat me then what the heck are you doing here that's right um, and, like, and he only
0: ridiculous. i mean he only got beat by 40 seconds or thereabouts in his match race so that was you know very close and Result-wise, though, the big one everyone talked about was Taylor Nib just destroying. Now, we found out that Reef was not well. Um, That's what I've been hearing. But 16 minutes is a fair thumping.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Daniela, obviously, uh, and I'm guessing we'll talk about this, uh, bouncing back um, a week later to uh, a big win in Switzerland. Um, But yeah like it it mind boggling and mm. for Taylor nib too i'm pretty sure she had the fa- well i know she had the fastest bike split of the day um on a road bike yeah um, you know like i i you know i i'm just waiting for somebody to come out with the you know try bikes are dead <laughs> faster on a road yes, bike, um, yes. advertising free now you know you sort of need to be Taylor nib to make that work, but, um, still, uh, just, yeah. Hey. And the thing is Taylor nibs, the real deal. Uh, I -hmm. think I talked about that after Edmonton, um, you know, and she is just, um, she's just having fun. I just, I hope that she can continue to, um, sort of maintain this approach and attitude of just, I'm out here, I'm having fun. I'm, doing my thing. I'm yeah. not gonna get hyped up and caught up in all of the game you know, all of the um other stuff and, and get worried about life. I'm just gonna do my thing. Yeah. And if she can keep doing that, um she's gonna to continue to be one very frightening uh force on the tri front.
0: Yeah. And um, you know, the 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 results too, that the times were really weird. Like there was, you know, some dudes just went so much quicker. Um, you know, time. We've looked at raw scores. There was a real discrepancy in times. You know, like Fidino goes three twenty, Iden goes three thirteen. Now, there's, you know, there just seems to be there was a little bit up and down on that on that way. Um, but you've got, you know, name after name just out there swinging it, which was really good that the sport got all these guys and girls together to actually have this event
1: yeah no absolutely and and yeah i'll have to look that timing stuff up a bit because i was under the impression that fernano had the fastest time of the day um but um yeah you know it, it the thing was though that at the end of the day what really mattered was did you win your match mm. and how much did you win the match by yeah. right so i didn't um you know i i, I, I didn't Won his match by more, got six points. Jan got four and a half points, yeah, right. And but that you know, that takes into consideration like who you're racing against,
0: yeah. No, uh, I might have been looking at a typo yeah, too. All that
1: kind of stuff. I might have been so, looking
0: at a typo too. Um, so yeah, it might have been a little bit of a miss for that one. So Fredino did get the fastest time, um, but I mean, they all got paid good coin too, you know. They're saying, well, and so the interesting. Off- thing- with 90 grand, um, yes. you know, um, and even the lowest were getting 20, 30 grand for the day. You know, Lunger's reportedly getting 45, Curry's on 50, Charles Barclay's got 60K for the day, you know, Iden's 70. This is not money we're used to talking to.
1: Yes. And it was all based on your PTO ranking going in. Correct. Right. So that's uh, so, you know, it was all appearance fees based based on your uh, PTO rankings. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, interesting. Like to me, <clears throat> to me, what's missing and, and maybe there was this and I dismissed this. But um, a big prize pool for the winning team, right, that gets split up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to just to add, so you've got your appearance fee for each of the athletes, but then, you know, some incentive for Team Europe to want to you know continue to dominate. Like there's, you know, but heck, a million and a half dollars or whatever it all ended up being, that's game. You know, that's game breaking and, and game changing oh, for hugely. Uh, for triathlon. Hugely, right? you know, for so. years
0: you and I've been banging on about this is the fact that the athletes get crap all money for the amount of talent and effort they put in. And it's nice that we're sitting there, you know, regardless of your format, whether you agree with the format, whether you just want to see a, a pure triathlon race, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, as per usual, I run in on the skeptical, I'm um, riding the skeptical bike at the moment, but I watched it and thought there are things that I would fix. And I was actually talking to a high ranking PTO person and I won't name names because it was an off the record conversation. And, you know, they were saying it, yeah, there's things we're going to fix. But I think they were overall, they were well pleased, Kevin, with what happened. Um, And we're talking about, right? We're talking about 1.5 mil. We're talking, and it's not all about the money, but it certainly does add attraction. And it certainly does mean if you're tipping that money on the figures that I heard that they tipped in was 3.5 or 4 million to run the race. Um, You know, when you're putting that sort of money in, the production's going to be better. The product's going to be better. Um, you know, you're going to have a better spectacle on the day. And more importantly, you are going to attract the best talent to come and race because it makes financial sense for them. They're professionals, no pro. Well, I'll put a little caveat there. Most pros were into it. There's a few who said no, but that's okay. But the ones who showed up, they get recompensed properly. And I think that's only fair and a massive step forward. So if anything the PTO has done is they've realigned the actual incentive for professionals to come and and have a race and given them something that they deserve.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, you know, it, it, it was a great show. They put in, as you said, lots of money. I have no idea how much, but uh, monstrous production, um, uh, you know, getting to, you know, Hang out and interview Phil Liggett and and see him in action and do his stuff. Huge, you know. Mm-hmm. Just uh, it was it was you know, just um, pretty monstrous. All the all the stuff that they did. So so yeah, team it, team it, Europe
0: you know. takes the win quite comfortably over the US and then the internationals. Now a couple of things, highs and lows for mine. The highs were what I've just talked about. I'm not going to go over it again, but the money and getting athletes there. That's got to be a high, right? Some of the lows though, or some of the maybe things to improve let's talk them let's talk them challenges um they do need to get the coverage right there were times there where they were missing things um they need to think through the coverage a bit better i think um now you were on the ground so you probably wouldn't have seen much of the coverage
1: um yeah, so I, I saw none of the coverage hmm. um i was sort of as you said on the ground announcing uh to the uh, to the crowds that were there so
0: and yeah. well so on the coverage then i'm not sure phil that gets the answer Um, as much as I love the man and respect him, for everything he's done in cycling at cycling. There was a knowledge gap there that that wasn't good. Um, I felt that he wasn't as sharp as he needed to be for that, for that coverage. Um, His voice still is, I mean, my God, I mean, he's all called us. I mean, who's ever ridden a bike? You've always thought of Phil Liggett calling you in to win a stage of the Tour de France, right? We've all had him in our minds calling us across the line. He's phenomenal, but I'm not sure. And the usual, you know, Shit fight over the microphone for the rest of the commentators. Again, I, they've got to sort that out as well. That wasn't cool. Um, I kind of felt there was a lot of people trying to have their say and it didn't come across as it needed to be. So, you know, from a broadcasting point of view, there's things to work on. Um, from a name recognition point of view, obviously they went with the biggest, but I think triathlon needs to forge its own voice um, and needs to, tr- you know, create its own talent within that. Now, I'm not saying pull out ex-athletes because ex-athletes are generally rubbish. Um In terms of hosts, but uh, as color people, they're amazing um yeah. and i'm not I'm not gonna be dissuaded or persuaded either way that I think that pro athletes are great for color. they're not great at as anchors. So we need to think that one through um and I think the rest of the the things that I saw were generally really good. you know their marketing was good, they had kind of studio looking it looked like it should have. Um, and I think they've got some of those aspects. They've definitely raised the bar on some of those aspects. Um, but, um, yeah, all in all, um, they can't really first time out pretty decent job. And again, we're talking about it. So the job's done, right? Us and every other triathlon podcast yep. in the world is talking about it.
1: Yeah, no, they, they knocked it out of the ballpark and it, um, yeah. And, and it really helped. Uh, just, just coming back to Taylor Nib, I I was just looking this up. She did have the fastest time of the day overall. So, um, on the bike and, and overall, um, and that to me was huge because had Taylor not won that, it was just a boring day of watching Europe annihilate everyone. Yeah. But when she did that, it sort of kept things a little interesting, um, Because we were like, "Whoa, um, where did us come from?" Um, And then um, it it just, yeah, it just sort of kept the kept the day rolling um, to add just a a little bit more excitement on the ground. I don't know if that came through on the coverage or or not, but we were like, "Whoa, um, this is not what we expected at all. This could be exciting." Yeah. So,
0: and I think it's exciting. Look, I'm not. I'm 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 going to say that you know I was very skeptical when it first started but seeing the journey and speaking to a few people in inside the tent um you know their their goal is to build this right so they're they're coming at it from a good place and as i said a couple of podcasts ago there are a ton of people in triathlon who know a lot more than i do and a lot smarter than me it wouldn't be hard but um i think that there are things to improve but i think you know at the end of the day goodness you know they're doing really really good things And and we've got to support this we have to support this stuff sure as hell the pro triathletes are going to be supporting it because it's an opportunity to get into that field and actually make some bank for your day, which is, you know, something that is incredibly hard to do in this climate right now, you know, um, especially with a lot of the Aussie uh, triathletes stuck at home and going nowhere fast. We're still in lockdown. It's ridiculous. Um, You know, we're still sitting here Um, moving along though. He says, uh, super league. I love super league. You know why? Because, it's just nutty, as you Canadians say. It's all nutty. Um, what I loved about the Super League was the what they're trying to do, right? So rather than have this extended season with the, all these different things, they just want to combine everything and stick it in a month. And I think that's really cool. Um, we saw a new team format, the Sharks, the Rhinos, the Cheetahs, the Scorpions and Eagles. They didn't take the koalas or the wombats. That's disappointing. Um, and we saw this kind of different squad, and we saw them wearing their team colours, the Scorpions and the Sharks, etc. I I don't mind. I don't mind it. You know, it's it's different. It's got its place. It's condensed. And again, if it allows athletes to get out there and actually earn some money. Do something a little bit different and show off their versatility, then I'm all
1: for that. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Like uh, at this point, um, you know, it it was funny. There was uh, a one, you know, uh, an uh, an ex uh, high performance director uh, who I was chatting with uh, in Edmonton, and and she was sort of bemoaning the fact that now all the athletes are heading off uh, to do Super League stuff rather than continue the it or the world triathlon circuit. And, um, you know, they're just going to exhaust themselves and everything. And I'm like, you know, they got to make a living. Hell yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to make it just on, on just one thing anymore. And certainly, you know, countries aren't handing out crazy amounts of money for their athletes to go around. So I don't bemoan these guys at all doing this. And, um, I'm hoping that it can at least be fun. Like I didn't have a chance. I was covering uh challenge growth um, on Sunday. So I have not yeah. you know, had a chance to even really uh, catch up much on, on the super league stuff. Um, but I hope that people at least look like they were having fun and like getting out there and hammering. Like certainly uh, the, the pictures I've seen that looks like the case. So. Yeah.
0: And look, he's smart, right? Macca who's running this, he's not an idiot right? The guy knows what he's doing. He's saying, let's get the 5th of September in London. Then we go to Munich and we go to I think Jersey and then they end up in Malibu. Okay. And they can all do this in a month. I love it because he's not saying to the athletes, Hey, I need you for 16 weeks or what he's going to say. Hey, I'm going to buy your services as a, uh, super league athlete. Going to give you some money. Ooh, there's a shock. Triathlon's paying. And then He's going to you know, basically hire them for the 25-day period. Who's not going to get involved in that if you're a sprint athlete? As you said, the federations can cry all they like, but what are they doing to actually build? And what are they doing to pay? What are they doing to, to do what they need to do in order to keep the and retain the services of these athletes? Athletes should be able to go and do whatever the hell they like. You know, so the federations can yeah. go boo-hoo, but they've got all these opportunities. Why wouldn't you take it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and so, um, yeah, lo- love the concept. Um, as with the Collins Cup, my only fear is, is this, is this sustainable? Mm-hmm. So can Collins Cup and can Super League generate enough income to be able to keep things going? So what happens uh, yeah, if if that doesn't happen, yeah. if they don't get the rights, if they don't get the pay per views, yep. if they don't like, at some point you're gonna run out of billionaires to fund all hundred
0: percent. Yep, and you have,
1: and that's yeah, no. my only concern.
0: I agree. You and I, this is the third thing we've agreed on on this podcast. This is garbage, Kevin. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but you are you are so one hundred percent right. I love this because that opens up the door for that conversation to say, yeah, like who's funding this all the time and are they, have they got a model that will sustain itself that will start to bring, because again, yeah, billionaires, you know, going to have passion plays. But it's one thing just to keep putting money into a you know, into a bottomless pit. Like they're not millionaires and billionaires because they throw money away. They throw money at investments and they start at some point, I would think, expecting a return. And someone can sit there and say, ah, oh, three million bucks for a billionaire is no problem and it's a passion play. But at some point, it's not like getting funded for five years. It's not throwing fifteen million at it and expecting no return. So you're right. What is the uh, you know, and what is the the end game for these ones and these races? But right now it's, if you're, you know, a sprint athlete, you can sit there and look at Super League. And clearly if you're an endurance guy or girl, you can look at Collins Cup, Taylor Nib aside, you've got that opportunity to get involved in it. um, And, you know, race continuously for a month. I love that concept. I think it's really cool. I mean, normally I'd be the one sitting there going, oh, this is crap. But I really like it. I like the fact that um, he's, Doing it all in a month, I think it's fantastic because we get to watch it now. It's like, again, Macca grew up in Australia. He grew up on NRL, which is the National Rugby League, where every week you have a game. And I support whoever I'm going to support, the beautiful Melbourne Storm, for example, who I support. Every week they have a game. And I watch the game. And I watch the injuries. And I watch those who come in and out. And then I watch another game the following week. Who would have thought I can back up my love for what I've seen a week later, whereas in Ironman Triathlon, I see Fredino race and then he puts it in a sock for the next three months. We don't see him because the dude's smart enough to try and recover. This is different. This is groundbreaking stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, to me, we've got just basically, as you've talked about two different streams. So you've got super league taking care of the, the sprint and Olympic distance athletes. You've got Collins cup taking care of the endurance athletes off we go. Right. So, um, it, it'll but they you know we just keep coming back to that question of the sustainability uh, I think they're both doing all the right things in terms of like the distribution distribution for the Collins cup was nuts uh, all of the different places that it could be seen you know in Canada CBC picked it up uh, you know lots of lots of uh, which is huge huge for us um, not sure who all had it in yeah. Australia um, but yeah, we had um those are all the we right had things. KO. We had yeah. So um but you know, yeah, we had we had KO pick it up in, in Australia,
0: Kevin. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> we got a little delay work in here. Uh I'll let you finish, buddy.
1: No, no, no. I I'm I'm ready to move on to uh challenge growth. Not sure if you are or not. Cool.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, just as this final part, the pay-per-view in Australia too, they had it there, they had it with KO, which is, a you know, again, like you guys, it's a bigger platform um, and accessible, which is nice. You could watch it on a, you know, on a decent-sized screen. If you can't do a fast time in Roth, is there something wrong with you?
1: Uh, let's run through <laughs> well, it first just- of all. Yeah this year especially fast um the the bike course was advertised as 10k short um i believe it was more like 14k short i believe the course was more like 166k that's certainly what um locals were telling me i I haven't talked to anybody to ask what their their gps uh said said um you know the marathon course in roth you know it, it It's always seemed a little short, but, um, but, um, you know, who knows, I'm not going to go after that one, but you know, when somebody I have never heard of runs, uh, 235, I kind of go, huh? Um, Ah. Um, anyway, and, and, you know, he, he did end up coming third. So I I'm guessing I should have known who he was, but, um, it was, uh, it was certainly interesting. Uh, you know, we knew, we knew the times were going to be fast and I was w- w- dying to see just how fast, uh, Patrick Langa would go to, to sort of push that little needle into the, the side of, of, uh, Jan Frodeno. Mm. Um, so going, whatever it was, 719, um, it's just, uh, just, uh, Nutty fast, but yeah. most importantly though was um, the fact that uh, the both Annie Haug and um, and uh, Patrick Lange, they went fast, but they like they really beat some pretty decent people, yeah, um, and beat them by a lot. So uh, they sort of made their statements of, had there been Kona, we would be people to watch. So. Yeah,
0: and they, that, geez, Annie Haug, my God, like. That woman can flat out – I mean, she was half an hour ahead of uh, Laura Sadel, who ran beautifully to go into that. So um, yeah. Laura Sedell has got a lot of fans around the world, and it's nice to watch her because she spent a lot of time with the Paralympians in the lead-up to this, um, working out with them. And uh, she's a good human, so um, it was lovely to watch her get a really good result. But Hag was just – my goodness. I mean, you're running a 7.53 and you are, a, you know, a solid 30 minutes ahead. That's that's some really impressive stuff. Um, Fenella Langridge uh, was in third and two Aussies in uh, Chloe Lane and Sarah Crowley, sort of very close. So the, Annie Haag was so far ahead, Kevin, that, you know, the the rest of the women were within, you know, six or seven minutes of each other, the next four. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Oh, and Annie, um, she really put it all out there too. Like she used pretty much all of the 32 minutes she had to wait, uh, for Laura to, uh, get across the line, uh, to recover. Like she was over, uh, you know, just lying down in the shade and yeah. they were doing everything they possibly could to get her back upright so that she, cause this is huge, you know, challenge Roth is always huge. Uh, you know, they had live, uh, national television coverage and, Um, so, um, so they were desperate to get her up for that interview, which is always so important. And, uh, she sort of made it up at, uh, about 20 minutes and then did her interview and then came down and was, uh, you know, upright to be able to, um, to, uh, greet Laura Siddle across the line. But, um, but when she was doing that interview, (laughs) there were two guys, uh, sort of hold like down below underneath the underneath the desk holding her up to make sure she didn't kill over. Like she really put it all out there. Um, but, you know, when you go 753, one would expect that. Uh, so, yeah. And of uh, course, um, Langer went
0: 719. If he races for Dino tomorrow in Kona, who wins?
1: Whew. <laughs> uh, you know, I would never bet against Jan Frodeno. Um So... Uh, but it would certainly be more interesting than I would have uh, predicted on Friday. Yeah. Uh, so what was really impressive, um, like I had, I sort of saw the coverage of Tulsa and you sort of got the feeling that Patrick was stronger on the bike there than he had been in years past. Um, so, you know, I, I watched um, one year in Frankfurt, uh, Jan Frodeno did a great job of goading Patrick to really press on the bike. Yep. Um, and, as, and as Jan put it, like I wanted to see, I wanted Patrick to see what it's like to try and run fast after you bike with the big boys. <laughs> and um, when he rode with the big boys that day in Frankfurt, it was ugly um, to see what happened on the run. And um, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, he looked totally in control. Uh, you know, Ruben Zapunki a uh, former pro cyclist took off like a shot. Like he was just flying um through that through that bike course, but only got four minutes um, you know, uh on on Patrick and uh, Nils Farmhold. And Patrick just looked so in control. Um and then, you know, he he went running by me um and kind of went, hey Kevin, um, at 7K in the run. And I was just like, holy crap, this guy's like not only is he going fast, but he's doing it very, very controlled. And so, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd never bet against Jan Frodeno. The guy is otherworldly, but uh, Patrick puts himself in the picture for sure now.
0: Yeah, certainly does. And uh, yeah, first time at Roth, and uh, just another German doing very good things at the front. And nice to see too. I mean, local race too. Um, as you said, with live television beaming into Germany, nice to see a couple of German athletes uh, doing their thing as they are so known to do. Um, Ironman Switzerland was uh, running one as well. Ooh, Van Berkel, r- very fast, 7.39. Um, and then <laughs> the swim seemed like there was a lot of fast swimming being done. Uh, 38 minutes Berkel sw- uh, Van Berkel swam. Daniela Reef swam thirty nine minutes. Uh, are we ready to call bullshit on that course?
1: <laughs> absolutely, there's definitely something wrong with that swim. Uh, no two ways around that. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, not sure. Like everyone talks about it, just being a absolutely beautiful, um, beautiful uh, bike and run course. Like you know, yeah. well, it's Switzerland, right? And, yeah. And Dune, it's spectacular area um so yeah the swim course obviously short um and i don't know actually yeah i have no idea i don't even know about the course if it's downstream i i don't think it is but um but anyway the, i think the bike and the runs uh the run course uh, i think um Daniela went 305 which is you yep. know nothing to write home about but she had a 36 minute lead, I think it was. I think she ended up winning by. Yep. yep. Um, so you know, certainly not being pressed. But here's here's the thing that I come out of Switzerland with. So Daniela did not look good at all in the Collins Cup, never looked comfortable. It's I, you know, I'm guessing that she was under the weather yeah. um, you know, and and knew it going in. Um and so then she comes back and does a full distance. Um I don't think Daniela wins the 70.3 World Championship in is it 2 or 3 weeks? Yep. 2 weeks I think. Um unless she's firing on all cylinders. Um like you know Lucy Charles is like on her game big time in in 2021. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Nib is you know she told me she wasn't racing St George, she's on that start list. Have you seen if that start list? Yeah. So if she's in that field, um, Daniela Reef suddenly needs to be like the Daniela Reef of Kona record setting um form. Yeah. And doing a full distance the week after being sick, yeesh. Yeah. Like you know, the coach in me is kind of going, huh? Yeah. Uh I don't know about this one. So that, that's my big that, that was my big takeaway from from uh, from that so uh, just trying to figure out the uh you know and and as you say as you often say there are smarter people than uh, both of us in triathlon <laughs> and hopefully um you know the, um, Daniela and her crew have got all of this dialed in and they you know feel one hundred percent confident that that she's ready to do it but um yeah, it's gonna be because she's gotten after some pretty heady stuff—a sixth, uh, seventy-point-three world title—and um, but most, more importantly to me, is she doesn't win this one, she's uh, or doesn't win Saint George. It really opens the door um, for a bunch of athletes to say, "Yeah, there was a time she's unbeatable. That's not the case anymore. Here we come."
0: Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. I don't think she wins the world title this year. Um, you've heard it here first. Uh, she's not going to win. Um, and <laughs> here's my other pet, well, I've got you here, my other pet rant is the fact that none of these courses are ever surveyed properly or verified. Now, I don't know what happened in Switzerland and the swim short and all that kind of stuff. I've got no idea. So, but in general, in general, um, the if you can get a blue tick to be verified on Twitter, Short as shit, you can get your course surveyed to be verified by Ironman. The one time I asked this a million years ago to somebody who was high up in the Ironman chain, i.e. the CEO, and I said, how do you get about this? And the comment was, well, if it's got an Ironman brand on it, it's got to be right. Well, that's not exactly true. If we don't get our courses right, then all the times and things like that are always in question. If someone swims a world record in the pool, or they run a hundred meters, 200 meters, whatever it is, 10,000 meters on the track, you never question them. Maybe you might question their, 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 um, uh, their measures, but you don't question the course. You look at the performance and you go, okay, well, we know that the pool's 50 meters long. We know the tracks 400 meters long. Well, these are just given things. We know that they're there. We're not worrying about anything else. So it's real annoying. When you see courses that are not surveyed correct, how hard is it to do that? I know at Melbourne, Ironman Melbourne a few years back, they did an extra loop of about 400 metres or 300 metres to make sure that they nailed the length of the marathon. They had it looping back in in Frankston. Hi to all my friends in Frankston. Um, to get it right, because the course was surveyed properly then. And it was like, okay, this is a legit Ironman course. If you don't have it right, then... It can't really be called an Ironman. It can't really be called a, you know, where the the pros are racing and times you go, okay, they're thereabouts. He ran, you know, 240 marathon. Was it a real marathon? I'm tired of hearing that. I think race organisers need to do better um, and they need to collectively lift and make sure that their courses are surveyed correctly and that we know what we're seeing. So when I see Van Berkel running a 237, really? Is that really? You got to take that out. We'll take the guesswork out and give it a proper verification. What do you reckon, Kevin?
1: So, um, totally agree and completely disagree all at once. Ah, Um, so, (laughs) um, so yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, but even in marathons, right, there are, um, marathons that are certified and there are marathons that are not right. And so, um so you know uh when uh what's her name beth uh or uh set the 5k world record a little while back Mm -hmm. ends up on the road it ends up not being a world record because the race organizers hadn't gone through all of the course measurement stuff the before and they didn't have the right timing things in place so the iaaf has all of these things, you know, hey, if you think there's going to be a world record set at your course, you need to go and make sure it's certified. you got to get it measured, do all of that stuff ahead of time. We need to know that we need to have all of these timing things in place. So, um, so I wonder if that's the kind of thing that we need to be doing for Ironman. Okay. Here are certain courses, here are certain places like Kona. We want this to be absolutely accurate yes. all the way through um, right. And so and Roth, like, you know, hey, guys, uh, let's get out and actually measure these courses and nail down uh, like the Roth is. Don't get me wrong. I love the event, all that kind of stuff. But yes, I 100 percent hear you. It'd be awesome if we knew that we, everything was was bang on. But part of the reason I got into the sport in the dark ages, when there were still dinosaurs walking around the earth and all of that <laughs> stuff, right? So in you know, 1985, I do my my first triathlon, was to get away from all of the administration, from all of the red tape, like that I, you know, that you went through in in track and field and running. You know, like, oh, I want to try and make it to a world. I want to try and make it to this. I have to go through this. I have to go through this organization. Triathlon was wonderful. Hey, you want to go to Kona? You just damn qualify. Like, just get your butt. You do this all yourself. Um, And so, so that was part of why we got into all of this. And now we're just turning it once again back into one of those super organized deals. And so I, you know, me being Canadian, I want to have, I'm going to sit on the fence and I'm going to have both things. I think we need to have certain certain situations where we go and we say, this is a totally accurate course. This is where you can set a world best world record, whatever. Everywhere else is just, you know, off you go. Uh, like, you know, it is what it is. Um, because the other part of all of this is there are certain courses where you're just never going to set a world best. Right. So um, so that the differentiation of the of the course. So I don't want to see us just get into this. We're only going to set up courses that are fast, right? Because there's a lot to be said for Ironman Nice, a lot to be said for Ironman Lanzarote. They're amazing. Like you go and and um, your goal there is to just finish the damn thing because, you know, you're you're not going sub four hours on that bike course. You go four twenty you and your deals. Right. So. Uh, That's, there's my agree and disagree. Well, thanks hippie. Um,
0: (laughs) I I, look again, we're having an agreement fest today. And I'm really, I'm finding it, it's upsetting, right? I'm finding this upsetting, But, but I agree to a point, right? Like I think you're right. And you say, okay, if it's got a world championship tag to it, it gets verified or it gets surveyed, right? Like it's proper distance. It has to be. And if you're a race organizer and you're pitching for a world title, part of your pitch would be, okay, this course can be verified as completely accurate. Now, if you're a couple of meters out, I get it. But if you're, you know, 400, 500 meters out or whatever, that's not cool. I also think too, though, And you talked about the, you know, the the early days of the sport, you know, it reminds me of that great scene in uh, Almost Famous when the band's talking about just doing it for kicks. And then one of them says, but this is a big deal. But that's the thing where triathlon is. It started out as this kind of, you know, just suck and see kind of arrangement where we have a crack and see who can swim, bike and run. But it is a big deal. Like this is a big deal. Think about the pros and their, you know, their um, bonuses attached to setting fast times and fast bikes and making sure that that's right. Think about the age groupers who want to go out there and test themselves on a legit Ironman course, not, not a bike course that's 170. That had to be disappointing. If I was going to do an Ironman and I was an age grouper, I'd go, you know what? I want the full experience. I don't want it to be a 40K run. I don't want it to be a 174K. That 6Ks, because I'm an A-type personality, is going to make a crap load of difference to my day. Like I can remember at Ironman Melbourne, I go back to that race again, when they cancelled the swim. And people coming across the line, they had that air of kind of like, uh, you know, yeah, it was good, but I didn't get to swim. And you know, people want the full experience and the full distance. And I think if you're charging someone a thousand bucks to come and have a race, the least you can do is get old mate out there with the car and figure it out. I think that's really important, you know? So, yeah, but to sort of circle back to your, your point too, Kevin, if it's got a world title attached to
1: it, come on, man, come on, get it right. Just get it right. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, and, and, and again, yeah, Roth as well. Like, yeah. um, and and so, and one of the coaches that I was talking with, um, for him, he's with you 100%, like go out, measure these courses, make sure all of them are 100% accurate for him. What drives him nuts is listening to age group athletes who are going to talk about their times in growth on Sunday yeah. as being like, you know, Hey, you know, my PB is X. And he's like, no, it's not like, there's no comparison <laughs> between what you did and Ironman Lanzarote or, yeah. you know, that like a course so yeah 166 170k um it yeah it it really in my mind takes a lot now but that said it's covid right the fact that they were racing at all um or it's you know a covid pandemic um you know they the course was shortened because of um construction Sorry, I'm. I've been on the road now for two weeks. I can barely tell. Um, Hang in there. Starting for construction, and also because they wanted, they had to take out Solarberg Hill um, because they knew, like people were tearing down the fencing that they had put up to stop people from being able to watch the race, um, so that they could watch the race. Uh, like the, <laughs> so, um, I totally get you know, we really want to have a race. The officials are saying you can't have a race. There's going to be crowds. And they say, we're going to change the bike course so that we're taking out the, you know, the most popular place. You know, there's normally 50,000 people on Solarberg Hill alone. Um, So, you know, we, we, we do need to give them a little bit of slack in terms of this year. Uh, But yeah, in my mind, Challenge Roth, they absolutely need to, you know, if, if, they want to talk about having world records there and all that stuff. Let's get out and totally dial in that course with you, hundred percent. So there you Other go. Other places? I'm not so sure.
0: <laughs> no, no, I agree. I look, I'm I'm with you on that. I just think, look, you know, if you can get it done, so uh, the challenge family no doubt will be very, very pleased. I'll give them a pass for this year, given what you've just said um no doubt there'll be a collective sigh of relief back at the uh the headquarters but um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there'll be a whole whole well, yeah
1: because they're they're dialed into our podcast oh, every yeah. week you can yeah. that 100
0: there'll be a whole cup of who cares um look it, it, we make some good points at the end of the day we are running a professional sport let's get it done bright um, but Kevin, where are you off to next? What's the next stop for you? Where are you now, and where are you headed, and what's uh, what's on your agenda?
1: So I am here. I am here in Almere, um, uh, just outside of Amsterdam in the Netherlands, uh, for Challenge. Well, it's not Challenge. Well, yeah, it's the Challenge Almere, but also uh, the World Triathlon uh, Long Course Championships are this weekend, along with the Aqua Bike, I believe. Oh, so Jesus. You know, so this, is, so this was supposed to be the big um, world triathlon. Um, what is it? World Championship Festival, I think it's officially called. Yeah. So five world championships over 10 days. So you've got the cross, you've got the duathlon, you've got the aquathlon, you've got long distance, you've got aquabike. I think there's maybe, or maybe there's two duathlons in there. Um, so really cool concept that they came up with in 2017, Uh, Ran for the first time in Penticton, uh, in Canada, and was, um, in my mind, a huge success. Because, you know, all of those events in the past have kind of, uh, on the world triathlon front, they haven't seemed to get quite the same uh, status and prestige as the um, the uh, sprint and the Olympic distance championships. And so putting them all together kind of made it a big deal. It went to FUN um, in uh, Denmark uh, in 2018, and then Spain had it in 2019. Obviously, it didn't happen last year. And so it was supposed to be here in Almere this year. Uh, they had to nuke most of it, but they have been able to get the uh, the long-distance championship going. So. Yeah. Really excited. Uh, you know, this trip has turned out to be, uh, pretty spectacular. Roth is always a race like no other on the planet. Um, it truly needs to be a bucket list race for every triathlete. Um, you know, Kona is up there, but, and obviously, but Roth is, um, probably should be in the next breath. Um, in my mind, it is an unbelievable experience. And Challenge Elmere, this will be my third year of announcing at this event. And um, it is, uh, you know, the oldest race in Europe. It has a ton of history. It's hosted these world championships before and uh, will do it again. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing how this weekend plays out.
0: Nice one. Well, mate, uh, I always appreciate your work, given that you are, as you said, on the road out of a suitcase and a man uh, doing the uh, the kilometres. I'll just sit here in lockdown as you do. Um, appreciate you today um, and always looking at Triathlon uh, Magazine in Canada as our first port of call for all of our information. Uh, and you can get there as well and catch uh, all of Kevin's work as well. Buddy, safe travels to you and thanks for being a part.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Phil. Great chatting as always. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up next week. And I can uh, give you the heads up on what happened here in Elmere.
0: Awesome. This has been The Life of Try. Make sure you check us out on the Instagrams uh, for some cool photos. Otherwise, uh, tell your friends and keep listening. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at the Life of thelifeoftry.